is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. My colleague Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. You know, when I was contacted earlier last week by Richard Cementa, who's the Steven Spielberg of the Mark Levin Show, he gave me the names of certain of the radio talk show hosts uh, pitch hinting for the for, for the Jesus of talk radio is Mark Levin. I'm one of the apostles. And last night was Ben Shapiro listening to him. He did a great job. I'm on tonight. Dan Bongino is going to be with you tomorrow night on Friday. Next week's going to be Dan Bongino and Larry O'Connor, and then back to Dan. It can't get much better than that. I'm honored to be here. So much stuff going on. I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. Look at it this way. The more and more it develops that uh, the investigation in the Congress continues against James Comey at all, is it obvious to you? This is what I want to lay upon the table tonight. I want to lay upon the table whether or not the Obama administration wanted to prevent the election of Donald J. Trump to the presidency, and they were certain it was going to be done. And, of course, they had their mouthpieces in the media to make sure it was going to happen with the Access Hollywood tape in the uh, two days before the third debate as the coup d'etat to end it all. But was there a concerted effort before that, starting in the spring and summer, by James Comey and others in the FBI and the Department of Justice under the horrible leadership of Loretta Lynch to prevent the election of Donald J. Trump? And then if that didn't work by some odd measure, because as you may recall, there was no question, according to the New York Times, according to the Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, the BBC, everybody, Trump had no chance. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is the heart of the Midwest. As you know, no Republican has ever won the presidency without winning the state of Ohio. It was well known, I think, even through the afternoon of the election, that Trump could not win. But they wanted, what did they want? They wanted an insurance policy. They needed something just in case. So because of the inspector general of the uh, Department of Justice, we now know that an FBI official, Peter Stroke, who supervised the Russian investigation, when it opened in July 2016. So Stroke knew where the bodies were buried beginning in the summer of 2016, that he was an anti-Trump and pro-Hillary Clinton uh, alkalite. He wanted to ensure that Hillary Clinton would win the presidency by, number one, not indicting her. When the uh, history of this period is going to be written, James Comey is going to say, down the road, maybe in a couple years when his book comes out, and he's getting like $8 million advanced, James Comey, which is unbelievable. Comey thought, you know what, obviously, Hillary Clinton has committed about 34,000 felonies by deleting, bleach bidding, and all the rest, her server, the private homebrew server, the uh, asset, the... Uh, the bleaches, the hammers, etc. obviously all under a subpoena. She committed 34,000 felonies. Not even talking about Uranium One. Don't even mention the $140 million to Uranium One. Let's just deal with the classified information that came through an unfiltered, uh, unregulated, almost public server. Well, let's just deal with that. So Comey knew in the spring and summer if he dropped the dime on Hillary Clinton, she was not going to win the presidency. So he thought to himself when the book comes out, look, I'm not going to be the one to select or elect the next president. I'll let the people decide that. So what I'm going to do is pull my punch. I'm not. I'm not going to indict her for these 34,000 emails at all, at all, at all. And all the obstruction of justice by Uma Abedin and Cheryl Mills and all the rest. I'm going to let that go. 
I let it all go. And so he put the word out to Andrew McCabe and Peter Stroke and Bruce Orr and many others, look, we're not going to indict the next president of the United States. We're simply not going to do it. So let's find excuses and reasons not to indict Uma, Cheryl, and Hillary. They're women. Cheryl Mills is African-American. We can't do that. We're not going to decide who's the next president. Let the people decide that. So we'll put out some information. And so he decided not to indict a criminal in the spring, summer, and fall of the uh, 2016 election. But then he wanted, what did he want? An insurance policy. The, uh, the inspector general found an exchange between Stroke and his mistress that said, among other things, quote, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that's Andrew McCabe, number two at FBI, Andrew McCabe, that there's no way Trump gets elected. But I'm afraid we cannot take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the likely event you die before you're 40. And so having decided among themselves, number one, we must elect Hillary, they then had to get an insurance policy. Now, Andrew McCabe, uh, was it yesterday or the day before, spent eight and a half hours testifying before a congressional committee in secret about what he knew and when he knew it. It's leaked out. He can't recall when he first had access to the Trump dossier, which formed the basis for the FISA warrant. And uh, I've been eight years an assistant attorney general. I've been in front of many courts on affidavits and search warrants and motions in limine and Dauber rulings and all the rest. Unlike some federal judges to be, I understand such things. In order to get a FISA warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court, the federal judges, you got to give them a factual basis to issue a warrant to wiretap the Trump administration to be. They had to get a basis to get the, to get, to get the wiretap or to gather information. It's obvious at this point that the FBI and the Department of Justice itself engaged in a criminal conspiracy, the object of which was to grant amnesty to Hillary Clinton, and failing that, they wanted the insurance policy. And the insurance policy was going to be collusion information between the Trumpster on one hand and the Russians on the other. That was the insurance policy. And so they began a course of conduct in the summer and fall of 2016, the purpose of which was to get the, quote, insurance policy, knowing or should have known that dossier was a bunch of BS. They got the insurance policy. They got the wiretaps. They got a lot of other information. And guess what? Here we are a year and a half later, and the Russian collusion is a delusion. It didn't happen. It didn't work. So now what do you do? Now they got a problem. So now the investigation is underway big time. And at the time, going back, you may recall that there was little or no chance Trump was going to win anyway. On Election Day itself, I think it was November the 8th, might have been the 7th, but November the 8th of 2016, I often had on my radio show in Cincinnati, I had on Eric Trump, I had on the president-to-be, at that point he wasn't the president-to-be, but he was a good guy that I liked, and Donald J. Trump Jr., Don. And so I had him on about every couple of weeks. On election day itself, it was uh, I had him on at 2.05 p.m. on my home station, which is 700 WLW in Cincinnati, Ohio. And he was going to come on on election day itself to rally the troops in Ohio. Is Ohio an important state to a Republican? Absolutely. So I had access to all of these guys. He developed a bit of a relationship with Don, but I've never met him, but I had him on the air maybe five or ten times during the campaign. So at 2.02, he calls in three minutes early. I talked to him a little bit. I said, Don, how's it going? How's the election going today? He said, Willie, I'll tell you what. We could have won this thing. And I said, well, I have the same sense. He said, look, in Wisconsin, we never had Ryan and Walker buying in. In your state of Ohio, 
we didn't have Kasich, didn't have Portman, and in Florida we really didn't have Marco and we didn't have Jeb. But we could have won this. And I said, I know, Don. I know. Uh, I said, but look, people are voting right now. you got to run through the finish line. You never know what's going to happen. Ohio is important. Um, I was heard in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. So I said, Indiana voted for uh, Obama in 08. So who knows how that's going to go. I think I know how it's going to go. I, I sense excitement. But I, I said, you got to run through the finish line. So we finish up our conversation. He comes on at 206 during the election day. And uh, not going well. And uh, But he's good on the air, talks about the issues, all that kind of stuff. At 5.30, I get a text. The text says, it's worse than we thought. So I text back. I say, well, look, what is it? The exit polling, he said, was terrible, awful. He said, we're 10 points down in Ohio. We're 8 points down in Florida. We're 12 points down in Michigan. We're 10 points down in Pennsylvania. I said, well, how's your dad? He said, he's a little bit quiet. I said, well, what the heck? 9.30 p.m., quarter till 10, another text comes in. I can't believe it. We might win. Of course, I'm covering it like Mark Levin's covering it, like Hannity is covering it. I'm watching all the websites. But the only time I ever check into the New York Times is on Election Day, and they have this graph going up or down. And to begin the day, it was like a 15% chance. And by 9.30 p.m., it was a 75% chance that Trump was going to win. And lo and behold, he won. And at that point... You could sense the panic in Washington with the DOJ and the FBI saying, thank God we have the insurance policy. The insurance policy is the Russian collusion delusion that we can play over the next year in order to uh, defame, smear, slander, and filled hate within the Trump administration, have them all going backwards and forwards, the FBI and the Department of Justice at the highest levels, at the highest levels wanted to prevent the election of Donald J. Trump and to elect Hillary Clinton, and it failed. And here we are almost a little over a year later after the election, and guess what? A year and a half later, they got zero zilch nada, nothing on the collusion delusion. So now they move on to other issues. But here's my question for you tonight on the Mark Levin, uh, the Great Ones uh, radio network. Right now, There's only three branches of government. There's the judicial branch, the legislative branch, and the executive branch. The FBI and the Department of Justice clearly are underneath the executive branch of government. They work at the behest and at the pleasure of the president. They're not some fourth branch of government. Maybe they they think themselves as such. But they're not some fourth branch of government whose goal it is to be the omnipotent uh, overseer of all things right and wrong in the world. Right now, every FBI agent in America works for Donald J. Trump. Every official at the Department of Justice works for Donald J. Trump. They're in the executive branch of government. Trump is the chief law enforcement officer in America. It's not, it wasn't Comey. It's not now McCabe. It's not Christopher Ray. It's not Jeff Sessions. The chief law enforcement officer is Donald J. Trump. He decides whether McCabe keeps working. He decides whether Peter Stroke can keep working in HR. He decides what Bruce Orr can do. He decides all that. Why doesn't Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, appointed and confirmed about four months ago, and or Jeff Sessions, the worst attorney general since John Mitchell. Why don't they clean house in the Department of Justice and the FBI? Anyone connected 
to the Trump dossier is gone. Anyone who held meetings in the deputy director's office of the FBI talking about electing Hillary Clinton and making the administration of Trump uh, unbearable, anyone who believed they wanted to prevent the election of Donald J. Trump needs to be fired and fired immediately, right now. Jeff Sessions is an unmitigated disaster, second only to Christopher Wray, and second only to Rod Rosenstein, who does not give any information to anybody. Those guys, if you're in the Department of Justice, you work for Jeff Sessions and Trump. If you're in the FBI, you work for Christopher Wray and Trump. I don't think Trump should do it because there'll be a political firestorm. But I believe that Jeff Sessions and Christopher Wray should clean house and get rid of the top echelon of the FBI and the Department of Justice. 99.9% of the 35,000 men and women who work for the FBI, and I have worked with the FBI in the past, I've had many cases with them, are the best and the brightest. They're Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. They're Kevin Costner types. They're good men, they're good women, and I would go to battle with 99% of them every day of the week, whether ATF, U.S. Marshal Service, DEA, FBI, good men, good women, the best among us. The top echelon, the James Comey. Comey is a crook. Andrew McCabe is a crook. Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr, his wife, are crooks. They launched a conspiracy, the object of which was obstruction of justice relative to Hillary Clinton. And then, after the election, they concocted an insurance policy with the media and the Democrats complicit in order to destroy the first year of the Trump presidency, which, by the way, did not work. Would you agree with their great success, especially yesterday and today? By the way, late this afternoon, the House passed the uh, CR, the continuing resolution over the objection of the Democrats. The tax bill is unbelievable for the country. So I want to get your reaction. If uh, we have five lines open right now at one eight seven seven. 381-3811-877-381-3811. And uh, talk about the tax bill, which I think is fabulous. It's wonderful. I know it's so good because the extremist rhetoric from the left is so despicable. It's got to be that much better on the other side of the fence. Plus, we have my call for Jeff Sessions and Christopher Ray. If you want to wait till after Christmas, after New Year's, first week in January, going to be cold as a well diggers behind in Washington. Then's the time to call in Andrew McCabe, Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr, his wife, et al., and fire them all. Get them out the door because they participated in a conspiracy to hide the criminal misbehavior of Hillary Clinton, which is obstruction of justice, and they wanted the insurance policy in order to prevent the election of Trump. And when that failed, they concocted this plot about the Russian collusion delusion, which is a bunch of bovine scatology. So let's continue. Once again, the phone number to call is 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Levin, one other thought on this on this tax situation, which is so positive for the American economy, with many companies handing out one thousand dollar bonuses to two hundred thousand employees and raising their their minimum wage to fifteen bucks an hour, et cetera, which is a great thing. 
There was a story this afternoon out of uh, Illinois. The Illinois loses population, drops the sixth largest state. The U.S. Census Bureau estimated on Wednesday, which yesterday, that Illinois' population fell by 34,000 people between July of uh, 16 and July 17. The state now trails Pennsylvania in population. Why? The reason's given. If you lived in Illinois, especially Chicago, you have unbelievable crime. You have the cost of government is extreme. You have unpaid bills in the state of Illinois, $31 billion. If you're a vendor, if you're a private small business owner and you deal with the state of Illinois, you got a problem mentally. They have high taxes all over the place, and they have an uninsured, shall we say, shortfall in pensions of nearly $200 billion that can never be paid. They have kind of a normal Republican governor, but with Democrats all over the legislature, he cannot do what he wants to do. So as a consequence, if you're a blue state, and you can only deduct up to $10,000 total of real estate taxes and salt state and local taxes, you've got a problem. There's many, many, many in California, Illinois, New York State, New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware, who pay between forty dollars and $50,000 in uh, property taxes and also uh, state and local taxes. Is this an effort by those in the blue states to get the hell out of Dodge? I think it is. So let's continue with your calls. When we continue, we have Will and Jack and thousands of others. We have three lines open if you call quickly at 1-877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Bill Cunningham, the great American for the great one, Mark Levin. We have calls from Salt Lake City. I love Utah and Paducah, Kentucky and McLean, Virginia and Henrietta, New York and Spring Valley, New York and thousands of other places. Quickly, quickly, think of the accomplishments of the Trump administration that the mainstream media, the mouthpiece of the Democratic Party, refuses to discuss. The uh, selection, the election of topics almost every night on CNN is disgusting. I try not to watch it. And if you want to watch that kind of progressive, left-wing, social justice warrior crap, you can watch MSNBC. Why watch CNN? So I'm thinking about the accomplishments. Number one, the passage of tax reform providing about $6 billion in cuts to the uh, federal budget and putting the, keeping the money in the hands of the American people and repealing the Obamacare mandate. How big is that? You think about a, a family with three kids doubling the child tax credit. You think about those who do the standard deduction like Richard Samana. He's a standard deduction kind of a guy. Married couple from 12000 to $24,000. Not too many men or women have a $750,000 mortgage greater than that, so that interest is still deductible. It is a little bit of a problem if you're in a high-tax state. If you're in a blue state, like so many of Mark Levin's listeners are, a little bit of a problem. But what you need to do between now and next Friday is prepay your 2018 real estate taxes because it's still fully tax-deductible. Also, the GDP, according to the Fed, in the last quarter is going to go up to 3.3%. There's been about 2 million new jobs created. The Dow Jones Industrial Average all-time high, close to 25,000. Economic confidence by the American people is at a 17-year high. The employment rate of African Americans is at a 37-year high. Uh, there also is prioritizing women-owned businesses for some $500 million SBA loans. He got us out of the Obama-era Paris Climate Accords, which is a tremendous thing. Anwar 
drilling in Anwar was part of the deal. It's going to help American energy independence. I could go on and on and on. By any objective standard, the policies of Trump are extremely popular. You attach his name to the policy, and they lose support. He's not lost the Trump supporters, people like me, people like you. There's about 38 real clear mark, uh, real clear politics average, 38% approval, 38 to 44 is where Trump is. He still is 95% of us. All you have to do is attach his name to a policy, and the policy is unpopular. You get his name off the policy, and just, I wish CNN would ask the American people, are you in favor of doubling the income tax credit for children? The answer is yes. Are you in favor of doubling the standard deduction, if you don't itemize, from twelve to 24000 for a couple? The answer is yes. Are you in favor in keeping mortgage interest deductions below 750000 The answer is yes. Get his name off the policy, the people are for it. You put his name on the policy, and it's bad. Just the opposite of Obama. Obama had a winning personality that the media loved. I couldn't stand to look at a guy. Every time I looked at Obama, I had projectile vomiting and explosive diarrhea, and I bled from my eyeballs. So I couldn't watch Obama. But the bulk of the American people, 60%, liked the personality, the family, the character, the dancing ability, the singing skills, amazing grace. They liked Obama's personality but they didn't like his policies. With Trump, it is just the opposite. Most of the American people cannot stand Trump's personality, but they love his policies. And if you had someone with personality and the policies, then you got Ronald Reagan, the last president that combined unbelievable charisma with the right policies. You see, Clinton had terrible policies, but a good personality by some. I saw through his act. Many didn't. With Bush 43, you had little or no personality and failure of policy. With Bush 41, you had little or no personality with failure of policy. This is the, and Obama, we've not had a president in 30 years that had the right charismatic personality with the right policies. And Trump is never, ever going to be accepted personality wise by about 60% of the American people. So what has to happen then, is Trump needs to step aside just a little bit, Mar-a-Lago, go play golf, get off Twitter, have some fun, spend the next two weeks doing nothing, come back and keep a lower profile and let your policies work. Get out of our face on a regular basis. Don't be in front of us every day. Anything that frequent becomes rather stale. So his policies, which are important to me, do you care about personalities that much, really? Do you have to have some leader like a John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan or an Obama from the left-wing perspective that you feel like it's a great representative of America? No, I don't need that. I need the right policies. i got plenty of personality myself. I know personalities like Mark Levin and Sean Hannity. I'm good with that. You know? I'm good. So I don't need to have a charismatic personality on my TV screen. What I need is a president with the right policies. This guy by any objective measurement, as judged by the American people, without his name attached, has winning policies across the board. Most Americans think, open up Anwar. There's no one living there but a bunch of damn caribou, and there's plenty of them. Most of American people say, build the damn wall on the southern border. Most Americans say, get out of the U.N. 
I mean, uh, Nikki Haley had a great presentation this afternoon, keeping score. The media didn't like it, which means she was right. So his policies are extremely popular. His personalities, not so much. So if someone above Trump could whisper in his ear, there's a chance over Christmas, Hannity, myself, and my good friend Sean Compton may be with the president at Mar-a-Lago. And if I can whisper in the president's ear, I'm going to say, Donald, doing a great job. The policies are working. The economy is humming. America is back. America is military one ISIS. Just calm down a little bit. Relax. Go play golf. Don't be in our face so much. It's okay. Let your policies work, and then you're going to have a great, great 2018 and 2020. The last thing we need is normal, God-fearing, Bible-thumping Americans is the idea that Nancy Pelosi will be the Speaker of the House and Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate. Are you killing, are you killing me or kidding me? Are you killing me? Can't do it, man. Won't happen. The last two years of the Trump administration would be impeachment and horrible investigations, and the media, the Anderson Coopers of this world, would be going crazy and smiling like a cat every night. So don't let that happen. Do whatever you got to do to make sure that it's Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. So the investigations are kept to a minimum, and the economy continues to percolate, and away we go. Can the president heed my advice? I may try it between Christmas and New Year's. Other than that, uh, things are pretty good. Things are right. So let's continue. Let's take a first call. will be from Paducah, Kentucky, and Rick. Rick, uh, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Rick, please go ahead. Bill, you're yes. a great American. God bless you, and God bless the Bluegrass State. I have, I have heard you say that so many times, and I wish so much that in my local area I could listen to your radio show. It would just uh, be the... They, it would be my days in. I mean, I just Thank you. really wish I could. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, and Merry Christmas. Go ahead. What do you have? Um, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm a total anti-establishment person. Um, as a matter of fact, I voted for Vevin over McConnell um, here in Kentucky, um, oh. and I'm, I'm glad that McConnell won. I, you know, I haven't liked him till the last two days. I like McConnell now. I didn't like the guy at all. I didn't like Ryan much, but I like him a lot right now. So don't ruin, don't ruin my my night by talking badly about Mitch McConnell. I like that guy right now. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm saying I'm glad he stayed in. Right. Because Bevin is doing much more for our state. Right. But anyhow, back to the the issue at hand. Um, I think that if all of them would have just went right along with Trump's initial Amen. ideas. Amen. Then we wouldn't have to fool with Pelosi or Schumer forever. All that had to happen, Rick, is to repeal and replace Obamacare, give us this tax bill in April or May. You might recall, going back in time, there were big meetings in December in the House and the Senate. And there was an agreement at that point they would put on the president's desk on January the 21st, repeal and replace Obamacare, tax reform by March, infrastructure by August. Here we are at the end of December. 
We have partial repeal, repeal of Obamacare. We have no infrastructure. We have no southern border fence, but we got the tax bill. Rick, we got to go, but I'll say this. The biggest thing is the tax bill. That's the thing that's going to drive everything else. Thanks for your call. Let's continue. Thousands on hold. Millions are listening. If a line becomes available, you're the routine. one 877 381 Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. Bill Cunningham, the great American. And for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Uh, Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Let's go back to the American people that I love so well and served so long. Let's continue now with Will and Henrietta, New York, and Will and Henrietta. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Will, please go ahead. How's it going, Bill? I tell you what, it's a great night to be an American. I feel humble and quietly proud, and I'm blessed to live in this country. Only 4% of the human population lives in the United States of America. And I happen to live in a part of this country... That functions magnificently, which is Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. The heart that beats the entire nation is right here. So I'm blessed. I'm a practicing Roman Catholic. I have a good wife who's the senior judge in the First District Court of Appeals. I have a child who's great to me. I have good grandchildren. I'm blessed with good health. Uh, I live in a country with Trump as my president. Unfortunately, Kasich is my governor. That's a different story. But nonetheless, I'm happy. I'm proud. What about you? Well, Bill, um you pretty much summed the most of my my story as well, um, except for living in a, in a state where uh, they appreciate my values. So, Bill, I'm calling from Henrietta, New York here. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, as a uh, Puerto Rican Democrat uh, most of my life, moved yes. out to Henrietta, New York, got education, wife also uh, did the same, who's Greek. And um, it's the same what's going on here. So the, 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 my main takeaway here is that tax reform, Bill, that was just passed forces it forces um, inner you know cities like New York, Chicago, those places like that to get rid of the swamp. So New York now will be forced to get rid of Cuomo because if we oh. get rid of Cuomo, we will have a a, a better uh, refund or just a better representation in terms of the tax credits that we would see in general. Now, if you look at what New York has done in the past, even this past couple of years, they destroyed the middle class with a progressive tax rate. Right. Uh, property taxes are through the roof in general, as a whole. Um, so I think that in as a whole, whatever Trump is doing, he needs to keep doing because what it's going to do is it's going to cause people in New York, people in Philadelphia, people in Chicago to get rid of governors like Cuomo who tax us to death and people are going to be forced to say, well, do I want to keep more of my money or give it back to the state and the government? Well, let me ask you a question. I, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I can drive uh, downtown in uh, six minutes. I can um, I can drive to a suburb five minutes north of me and buy a brand-new home for $200,000 on a piece of dirt that's 75 by 150 feet. Uh, there's many good home builders in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. If a family of four wants to buy a brand-new home with two-and-a-half bath and four bedrooms for like $200,000, you have hundreds of choices in this part of the country. Will, how much construction is happening in and around New York City or Henrietta, New York, of single-family homes with about a quarter of an acre, uh, four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, 
with uh, two to three hundred thousand dollars. How many of those homes are being built? Jeez, not at all. Not at Zero. All. Not being built at all. And Doesn't you, exist. You can't, you can't even drive from Henrietta, New York, to New York City without paying upwards of twenty-five dollars in toll taxes. Okay, and that's just driving, not including the gas tax, everything else. So this is a huge problem that people in New York need to wake up to because we are going to be left out. People are saying, oh, New York should be left to dry if those Democrats in New York want to tax people to death and let them, you know, let Canada take over New York or let Mexico take over California. No, believe it or not, there are people in the eastern coast who stand with people over the so-called flyover states. We are not going to take this. We are people who stand behind our president. And we are people who we will be resilient and we will stand for what's right. And the right thing is for Americans to keep the most amount of money they can in their pocket. And, Willie, uh, there was uh, maybe it was 60 Minutes or one of the other ones a week or two ago. They, they did a segment on the middle class in the state of California. Uh, if you're you cannot be a middle class American living in California, New York, Illinois, Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, you can't be in a deep blue state and have a functional life with this good school district. I live in an area in which the public schools have 99% graduation of their students with 95% going to college in public school, much less private school. I live in an area where I can drive to downtown Cincinnati or northern Kentucky in five to ten minutes. We have little or no traffic. We have a functioning criminal justice system. We have homes that can be purchased for reasonable amounts of money. You can be a middle-class American making fifty to sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year and live a great life in large parts of this country. You can live in Arkansas, Texas, Florida. I have a second home in Florida. I drive around uh, the I uh, call your county and I drive around uh, around Fort Myers. Cape Coral, Florida. You can buy a home in Cape Coral for $200,000 that is safe and brand new. And that is completely a part of a philosophy that is dysfunctional to the blue states in which there's the rich at the top, most are on welfare, public assistance, there's rampant crime, and the public school system doesn't work. And so this tax bill might have the effect of emptying out Illinois, New York, and Chicago, because the more and more you, people like you realize, wait a minute, why in the hell am I in Henrietta, New York? Why do I fight the traffic, fight the crime, fight the high property taxes, the high income taxes, the quality of life stinks? Why don't I move to Florida Texas, New Mexico, Cincinnati, Salt Lake City. Why don't I get out? Nevada, Nevada is a great place to live. California is emptying out. In 50 years, Nevada will have more residents than California will. And I'm watching it, and the media doesn't cover it because it doesn't fit their bias against flyover country. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you why, okay? Let me tell you this much. you got about 20 seconds. Okay, so New York will always go for the most part, they tend to go progressive because people dominate New York City metropolitan area. There's 8 million people there or 60 million people there. They're going to they're gonna always vote Democrat. They communist. Communist. It's, I tell you what, Will, it's pure and simple communism. That's what it is. Thank you, Will. Pure and simple communism. Comrade de Blasio, pure and simple communism. Talk to the Venezuelans about whether socialism works. 
I'm waiting for the mainstream media news stories about the success of Bernie Sanders' philosophies in Venezuela. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Billy Cunningham, Merry Christmas on the Mark Levin Show. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin's off, you know, until uh, January the 3rd on a Wednesday. Mark returns. Last night, Ben Shapiro stopped, uh, stepped in for Mark, did a great job. Tomorrow night's Dan Bongino. I listen to Dan whenever I can. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you tonight. And I wish you and yours a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, especially my friend Curtis Slewa. Curtis Slewa is a bit liberal for me, somewhat to the left of Mayor de Blasio, but Curtis Slewa does his best with very limited ability. So I wish also Curtis Slewa and his uh, buddies and friends nothing but a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. One thing I discovered, I my TV show was in New York City for like uh, 400 days. Did five years of the Bill Cunningham show on the TV side. And I came to New York City with the idea that I didn't like New York. Too loud, too brash, uh, too disrespectful. And having, having spent literally 400 nights there over about four years, I discovered New Yorkers are not dissimilar to Ohioans, Hoosiers, or uh, those who live in Texas and Florida, really good people. New York City is a bunch of little neighborhoods. It's not not a city at all. It's a bunch of small neighborhoods. And I had 75 to 100 people working on my TV show, showed up before 6 o'clock every morning, were there until 10 p.m. at night, worked hard, worked smart, under the leadership of Kim Breshka, who was the best television producer money can buy. And when Mark Levin begins his, his TV show in about two months on Fox News on the weekend, uh, he ought to get a producer, if he can, like Richard Cementa or Kim Brushka, and did a great job for me. And I left that town with great respect for the people, for NYPD, for the fire, de- for the fire department, FDNY, for those individuals, those men and women. I had tremendous respect w- with what they had to deal with on a regular basis. Middle-class Americans have one hell of a time living in Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York City, 
Boston, Atlanta. How do you live as a middle-class American in those areas, anticipating a normal lifestyle with disposable income at the end of the day? High-tax states with lots of uh, public services and lots of uh, public employee unions with guaranteed pensions and terrible public schools and high crime rates make... uh, America seemingly dysfunctional in the large cities. I see online that the criminal rate in 2017 is going to be extremely low. If you would take out the 10 most crime-ridden cities in America, like Chicago, Atlanta, Memphis, uh, Los Angeles, several other, take out the 10 largest cities and take those out of the crime statistics. America has about the same crime rate as Switzerland or Singapore. I happen to live in a part of the country where uh, on any one day uh, there tends to be few, if any, crimes in my part of Cincinnati. I seldom hear a siren. The public school systems where I live produce children actually that graduate with appropriate uh, mental acumen to their age and their attainment, to their attainment. The great majority of public schools where I live send their kids to college. They're functional. Believe it or not, little kids with backpacks walk to school, often with older kids or by themselves, because there's no fear. I live in an area where people tend not to lock their doors. There's no reason to. How does that fit with New York City or Chicago, the south side of Chicago? How disgusting is this? Probably the worst part of America to live, if you're an African-American, is in the south side of Chicago or in a congressional black district. The worst place to live. South side of Chicago and the black wards of Baltimore with Representative Elijah Cummins. And so the, uh, judge objectively, jobs, good or bad. Public school education, good or bad. Job creation, good or bad. Family formation, good or bad. It's awful. In the south side of Chicago, with uh, 4,000 people shot every year and about 800 murders, who is headquartered in the south side of Chicago? Well, let me think. You have uh, Louis Farrakhan. You have uh, Jesse Jackson, also known as Jesse James. Jesse Jackson. You have uh, Rahm Emanuel. You have Barack Hussein Obama and Michelle Obama. I would think that the theories of the Democrat Party are best exhibited in the south side of Chicago. Because those areas vote 95% for the Democrat, whoever the Democrat happens to be. And it's been that way for at least 60 to 70 years. You can't find a Republican on the south side of Chicago with a searchlight and a search warrant. They don't exist. Would the media do a report, frequently and often, about the failures of Democratic policies in Chicago, specifically the south side of Chicago, would the media even think about, now wait a minute, we got a community organizer for 20 years who organized the south side of Chicago. What are his credentials? What are his successes to promote him, not just to Springfield, Illinois, but to the presidency of the United States? What has he done for African Americans or for Americans in general? What policies of Obama have survived or worked? Did they work in Syria? Did they work in North Korea? Did they work in Iraq? Where do the policies work? Did it work with job creation, educational achievement, less crime, more family formation? Where do the policies work? Can you tell me? What is it? Has CNN 
positioned themselves on the south side of Chicago and spoke to Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Rahm Emanuel, Barack Hussein Obama, Michelle, and say, other than the singing and the dancing, what have you done? Take the statistics. 4,000 people shot. It is more dangerous to be on the south side of Chicago than in Beirut or Baghdad. More are killed, more are shot. And that is the situs. That is the home. That is where the philosophies of the Democratic Party are best resulted. The consequences are obvious. The failures are apparent. What is in the media? Spend time. Now, wait a minute. Instead of talking about a Twitter war with LeVar Ball and the president, how about doing a series of reports on how many kids in the public schools on the south side of Chicago graduate with an appropriate understanding of math, geography, English, economics, and uh, and uh, educational achievement in general? Uh, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but normally... If you live in a black community dominated by Democrats, half the kids do not graduate from high school, and the other half, 90%, do not read or mathematically attain at the achievable level of a 12th grader. And very few, if any, qualify for college. Now, you would think, okay, we've tried these philosophies now for 5 or 10 years. How about 10 or 20 years? How about 30 or 40 years? How about 50 to 70 years? Have they worked? Has anyone asked the question to Elijah Cummings in Baltimore? High crime rate, no educational achievement, no job creation, no family formation. Do they work? And if they don't work, why should we promote those individuals to higher positions? I'm clueless on this. I don't understand it. I live in a functional state, Ohio. I was born in Kentucky. We function. We have good public schools. We have low-cost housing. We live in communities with little or no crime. Does somebody say, now, what are they doing right, and what are the Democratic deepest blue states, what are they doing wrong? How many middle-class Americans make between, say, fifty and $80,000 a year that live in New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles? Take the ten largest cities. Can you function in New York City making $60,000 a year? Can you function and live a quality life? The answer is not just no. The answer is hell no. Well, what political party has been in control in New York City all but uh, the last uh, 30 of the last 42 years has been the Democratic Party? Rudy did a great job. Bloomberg did an okay job. de Blasio is terrible. Dinkins stunk. And the council, the assemblymen, those in charge of the City Council of New York City? When was the last time that organization that actually runs the city were dominated by Republicans? When was the last time there was a Republican mayor in Chicago? When was the last time there was a Republican? There's not going to be a Republican ever again in charge of California because about half the electorate are Hispanic, and they think with a completely different set of their brain than the rest of us, completely different. There will not be a Republican governor elected in California, in my lifetime or yours. Won't happen again. And when's the next time a Republican is going to be elected and dominate New York City politics or the politics of Atlanta, Chicago, Memphis, Baltimore, etc.? It's not going to happen. Not happen. But why is that? Why isn't there independent, objective analysis 
These are the policies you proposed, Elijah Cummings. These are the policies you proposed, Jesse Jackson, Barack Hussein Obama, Louis Farrakhan, Rahm Emanuel, Richard J. Daley. These are the policies you proposed. You've implemented the policies in Chicago. You've implemented the policies in Atlanta and Memphis. You've implemented the policies in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Have they worked? Does anyone contend, if you have an option in a big city to send your kid to the public school or to a private school, no good parent would look at the educational achievement and the behavior of the kids in large city public schools and freely and objectively send their kid to that school if they had other options. It won't happen. It does not happen. So I want that analysis done by somebody instead of these Twitter wars. Let's continue. We have thousands on hold, millions are listening. I got off on a tangent, and I'm sorry. When we continue, we have calls from uh, Virginia, Chicago, trying to defend themselves, New Jersey, California, Colorado, many places in between. If a line becomes available, none ever becomes available. 1-877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American. Merry Christmas. And for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. James in McLean, Virginia. James, uh, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the great American Bill Cunningham. James, please go ahead. Thank you, Tommy. Mr. Cunningham, it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Um, I had heard the same thing earlier today also about people fleeing the state of Illinois, (laughs) and I had also, uh, as we know, been notified that uh, Florida and Texas are some of the quickest states in terms of population expansion. One of I want, the problems, oh, no, no, why, James, James, how many times has CBS, NBC, ABC, New York Times, Washington Post done a story on why Illinois, New Jersey, California, New York is collapsing and why Texas, Tennessee, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Florida are rising? Why don't they do that story? Because those states are economic Potomkin villages. It would completely disrupt and destroy their narrative that they proffer out there because liberalism and communism is a false reality. Talk to Venezuelans about that or Cubans. Indeed. And one of the biggest problems that we're suffering from here in Virginia is that we have people that flee from states like New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York, uh, California, And as the great one, Mark Levin, says, they're like locusts. They go from one wheat field to the next, and they just fly off and destroy it again. And they repeat and vote for the very same things that they left. And it's been staggering to watch. uh, I'm calling from Fairfax County, but for all intents and purposes, it might as well be Westchester County, New York, or Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And they don't learn and one of the things that I'm wondering is is that if the people that end up leaving Illinois or California right. are they going to go down to Florida and Texas and do the exact same things that they basically fled from James stick on that point according to the Drudge Report last night about a quarter of a million Puerto Ricans have fled Puerto Rico to go into Florida 
Now, Puerto Rico, by any objective measurement, is a failed state because they followed the policies of New York City, Chicago, Venezuela, terrible floods and hurricanes, hit Texas, hit Florida, Irma, etc. We survived and flourished. Terrible hurricane hits Puerto Rico. They were on their back before it happened. Now they're really on their back. So if you take a quarter of a million Puerto Ricans, and God bless Puerto Rico, it's a Roman Catholic nation. I love the people of Puerto Rico. You put them in Florida. And they go there with the political philosophy of high rules and high regulations and high taxes, lack of job creation, and put them in Florida. Does that make Florida now a purple state? It makes it a blue state. In fact, they're sending them to I-4 corridor as we speak and try to win a Republican, have a Republican win a national election without carrying Florida. Can't. You very eloquently said that, you know, California gave us Reagan and Nixon. Not anymore. That ain't, that ain't happening again. And well, now it's giving us Nancy Pelosi. Uh, well, you know what? I hope I don't have to eat pretty much after I take this call. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, California is gone for generations or longer. And if large numbers of Puerto Ricans who are Americans, and I don't blame Puerto Ricans for getting the hell out of Puerto Rico, to go to Florida. If they go to New Jersey, New York, no big deal. But they want to go to Florida because the climate is similar to Puerto Rico. And if there's 250,000 Puerto Ricans, half are kids, that means 125,000 adults are going to vote in, Port in Florida, 90% vote Democratic. Uh, Governor Scott's got a problem. And Florida, if Florida is flipped, there's no chance a Republican will win the presidency for the rest of this century. None. Well, let me, uh, before I let you get to another call, uh, my mother's from Puerto Rico. And, you know, there's 14 million of us of either full or half percent that live here. Right. Okay. There's a reason why there's three to one numbers in terms of living in the states vis-a-vis down on the island. And the reason why nobody lives on the island is because the corruption is rampant. It's, I mean, it's, it's a failed state. It's Greece. It's Detroit. And the disaster that hit Puerto Rico Yes, Maria didn't help, but the disaster was the economic collapse run by decades of liberalism. You can't, you know, Puerto Rico is downtown Chicago. Puerto Rico, my friend James in Virginia, Puerto Rico is is uh, New York City. And you can't function as a state with no job creation, lousy public schools, lots of crime, bonds that aren't paid. You can't function. It doesn't work. It never does work. And so if Florida flips, part of the Democratic philosophy, if Florida flips, the Republicanism as a presidency is done for the next 80 years. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin, and Merry Christmas. Yeah! Joey, uh, Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. Joey from Manhattan. Joey, how are you? How are you today? I'm doing well. Go ahead. Look, I have a serious question. Now, I'm not leaning either way. I just think maybe you might have the answer for me. If we hear about all this flight that's going to take place from people in New York and Chicago to move to states that don't have federal taxes, won't that hurt the government's federal taxable income, like the revenue they get? You have a million New Yorkers who believe Chicago wins at all. All these people now, if they're not paying federal taxes... Where is the government going to recoup those taxes from? Because now all those people live in states that don't have federal taxes. Joey, look at it this way. If uh, I've seen stats that about 10,000 New Yorkers, New York City New Yorkers, 10,000 New Yorkers pay about 90% of the bills. 
And if they cannot deduct state and local taxes and they take their income to a southern state, it does not mean the federal government's going to get any less money because the federal taxes apply in Ohio, Florida, Texas, California, Utah, Nevada, as well as New York City. The loss will be the local city of New York, which I think is the greatest city in the world. I spent over a year of my life there, but I'm telling you that, that if you're a middle class, are you a middle class kind of a guy, Joey? Yes, sir. How much difficulty is there for you to have a a home which might be a two and a half bath, four bedroom home, a house in New York City? How hard is it to drive cars, send your kids to public education? Is crime something present in your mind? The cost of living in New York? What do you find? I find it's easy to buy a house with all the gold trimmings in New York City, of course. For fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars? What? With all the gold trimmings. With all the what? gold trimmings, Bill. What? What? <laughs> Just yeah, where in the hell do you live in New York? I want to find that place. <laughs> with You're all the laughing gold because it's not true. All right. Well, I was just curious. I guess you cleared that up. I, I cleared it because no matter where you live, the amount of money to the feds. You know, I saw a study, Investors Business Daily, yesterday that said that if the GDP of America goes up 0.4% because of the tax bill, 0.4%, enough revenue will be created to pay off the so-called $1.3 trillion 10-year accumulated deficit because of the tax bill. Now, Joey, from a 10-year perspective, the government's going to spend in the next 10 years about $45 trillion. We're talking $1.3 out of $45 trillion. That are, that's pennies on the dollar. It's a rounding error. It sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. Now, Joey, do you think, because of the tax bill, and we see uh, the last couple of days what AT&T is doing, what Fifth Third Bank is doing, what a lot of other companies are doing. Do you think the economy is going to go up at least 0.4% because of the tax bill? Probably even more. That's my point. Therefore, it's all paid for. The problem is not taxes. The problem is spending. If we could spend every year one penny on the dollar less, we would have a balanced budget in six years. One cent. You mean to tell me the federal government cannot find one penny on a dollar to spend less each year? If we, it's called the penny plan. If we would do that, we'd have a balanced budget. We fight like crazy over minuscule tax decreases. And let's face it, from 39.6 to 37% is minuscule. That's the whole deal. And so we fight over that. How about fighting over government spending, which is unbridled and out of control? Can we do that, Joey? Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate thank you. your answer. All right, but thank you. There it is. Let's continue. Let's go to uh, let's go to David in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. David in Raleigh, the home of Duke and the home of North Carolina State and the home of the Tar Heels and the home of Wake Forest, the Deacons. David, go ahead. Hi, Mr. Cunningham. Appreciate you taking uh, taking yes, my call. I just wanted to follow on with uh, the uh, some of the other callers that have talked about living in uh, well formally or or barely or um, you know conservative states. Primarily, I'm in the South, and um, and my state is changing, and it will probably within the next 20 years, um, you know, go blue. Yeah, um, and and it's because of the migration from from uh, high tax states, and you know, I I kind of call them. You know, they're human parasites. You know, they've devoured their their host. It's dying, the current state they're in. And so they move to a healthy one, and they continue the same process. 
It's going on in Virginia. It's going on North Carolina where you are. It's going on. It's going to happen in Florida because of Puerto Rico. And I love Puerto Ricans, but their political philosophy is to the left of Nancy Pelosi, which is why Puerto Rico has failed as a state. And so right, North Carolina was deep red, Jesse Helms red. And right now, it's purple, trending blue. Also, you take the parasites out of the Northeast, but add on top of that illegal migration, chain migration, chain immigration, the southern border, lack of offense. See, the Democratic Party doesn't appeal anymore to middle-class Americans, so the Democrats are replacing them with large numbers of Hispanics from third-world countries that have grinding poverty. And, and so North Carolina will become... A, uh, a blue state in the next 10 years. Right now, it's kind of a battleground state. And I can't think of too many states that are going blue to red, but I know a lot of states that are going red to blue. And, and I, I can't think of a state that is tr- that over the next five or 10 years is trending Republican because Texas, you know, there was dreams that they had uh, of flipping Texas. If the Democratic Party flips Texas or Florida, it's over. In fact, Ohio is, again, a state. That's where I live. You can't find a Democrat here with a search warrant. And it's because we don't have large numbers of illegal immigrants coming into Ohio. And we're not a state, really, where people flee the Northeast. And the Northeast, it's like like a funnel to Virginia, North, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi. And your state, David, how many years have you lived in North Carolina? Well, I was born and raised in uh, North Carolina. And so I've seen this happen in my lifetime. But even when I was, you know, and I'm in my 40s now, but when I was a teenager, we had a very, very insignificant Hispanic population uh, other than the seasonal migrant workers that came to work in the farms and stuff and went back. But, you know, just in the past 25 years, that population has just exploded. Um, we've also started in, in, in some of the cities in North Carolina, started to see a reverse migration of um of blacks that are leaving the northeast but sure and they, they come down here and they vote just the same way they did up there and a lot of the cities in in north carolina that were once uh, strongly conservative will probably never have another republican mayor no. in my lifetime but david look at this way how many people you know in north carolina or south carolina or florida that say you know what i really want to move to new jersey but i i want to get to new york I want to. I want to live in. I want to live in Massachusetts. How many people in the South say, you know what? I really love the winters in in uh, in New York City. I want to move to New York. How many people choose to leave if they're functioning well in North Carolina? You know anybody that would say, you know what? I want to move to the South Side of Chicago. That's where I want to go. Absolutely unequivocally no. 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 And, no. And no. In fact, hell no. No. Set up. And, and, and want to, you know, get back to the kind of, um, you know, towns and, and values that we had growing up. But we have, we have to leave the cities we live in now to do that. Well, just think about Florida because of the hurricane. And Puerto Ricans have automatic voting privileges in whatever state they go to. And, uh, God bless Puerto Rico. Great climate. Well positioned. American territory protected by the American way of life. Because of socialism, socialism has destroyed Puerto Rico, it has destroyed Venezuela, it has destroyed Cuba. This, we, we see the theories of Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer played out in Venezuela, Cuba, and, uh, and Puerto Rico. 
They're failed states. Puerto Rico was failing before the hurricane devastated that nation. But the hurricanes also devastated Texas and Florida. Devastated, especially Houston. Went through a living hell for weeks and months. Houston is functioning again. Florida is functioning again after a couple months. Is Puerto Rico functioning? Hell no. It's because Bernie Sanders' philosophies have actually been implemented in Venezuela, where babies are dying in the streets, Puerto Rico, they don't have any, still can't get electricity, and Cuba. The, those the theories of Nancy Pelosi and Comrade de Blasio and Bernie Sanders have been fully implemented in those areas for many, many decades, and they are failed states. And so why would we import to America the cancer cells of leftist, leftist from Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and Cuba? Why do we do that? And, and David, I, I see North Carolina and South Carolina in 20 years being deep blue states. David, we got to go, and that concerns me as an American. You know, I, I listened to uh, Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh is the greatest uh, this afternoon, and he talked about, well, there's a chance that Republicans and Trump will uh, uh, control the presidency for the next 80 years. I hope so. I hope so. I, I don't think so, but I hope so. Uh, I just want Trump to complete his first term with the Republican Congress so that there's no impeachment, there's no investigations, uh, there's no all the crap that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer would make Trump go through and eliminate the Trump agenda. There would be no Trump agenda and no Republican agenda, and the media the last two years of his term would cover it with glee. It would be incredible. Uh, I see the great successes happening in America today. If you check out the Washington Examiner, they have a list of 81 major accomplishments of the Trump administration in the first year. Check out the Washington Examiner tonight. 81, I'm not going to read them off to you, but they're all right there. Imagine Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House and Chuck Schumer in charge of the Senate. So the president's got to say, you know what, whatever it takes for that not to occur, I'm going to try to make that happen. Tell me what i got to do. And I can tell him, you can tell him, Mark Levin can tell him, Hannity can tell him, Curtis Sliwa can tell him, which is calm it down, get out of our face, don't have irrelevant fights with people like LeVar Ball. Don't do that anymore. Stop it. And if he simply lets his policies speak for him and their success, he's very likely to keep the House and keep the Senate, which guarantees the Supreme Court for the next uh, several decades. God bless her, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how does she live another three years? Now, Justice Kennedy, God bless him. He's probably going to step down in about eight months. So if, if you could pick off a Ginsburg and a Kennedy and maybe a Breyer, you would have a conservative court for the next 30 to 40 years. That's what's at stake here. The greatest accomplishment of Trump is taxes and the, the judiciary. 12 circuit court judges, or is it 11? 11 or 12 circuit court judges, the greatest accomplishment. With Schumer in charge of the Senate, none, zero, zilch, nada, zero federal judicial nominees would be confirmed. Zero, zero. What does Trump have to do to stop that from transpiring? Whatever it is, he's got to pay attention and he's got to do it. Too much is at stake. Let's continue. The line becomes available, which it never does. 1-877-381-1220. one 381 
3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American. Merry Christmas. In for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Billy Cunningham, the great American. This just popped up. Daryl Strawberry, the great Mets baseball player and a hero of Richard Samantha, the producer of the Mark Levin Show, enlisted locker room attendants to entice women to have sex with him and the team clubhouse of the Mets before the right fielder would return to a game in between innings. As Strawberry explained, his coaches and teammates would cover for him when he was having sex between innings. They were pretty cool. Now a uh, Christian pastor, Daryl Strawberry, has reached out to former NBA star Lamar Odom, who's had his own public problems with drugs and alcohol. His life matters. The 55-year-old Strawberry, quote, I would go in between innings, Mets games, stuff like that, and run back and forth and party with women between the fourth and the fifth inning. Wow. To his credit, Daryl Strawberry right now is a God-fearing man. He's a Christian man, 55 years old, living a good life. He said, Medical problems, psychological problems, drug-induced problems. He found the Lord. Daryl Strawberry is on a straight and narrow path. Hopefully he can get Dwight Gooden there with him. Let's continue. Thousands on hold. Millions are listening. Let's go to Greg and Juliet, Illinois. Hopefully not in prison. Greg in Illinois, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by Bill Cunningham. Greg, please go ahead. Hey, Bill. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I've listened to you for years. Thank you. Listen, uh, I was telling you, call screener, you know, there's an old saying that just outside Chicago, there's a place called Illinois. You know, man, uh, uh, <laughs> That's kind of like Illinois, out of New York City, there's a state called New York. You know, most of New York is like Pennsylvania, Alabama, Mississippi, but then there's a part of New York, New York City, much like in Chicago, there's a part of Illinois outside Chicago, correct? And so many of us are conservative, lifelong, and it's generational. And, you know, we're battling it out. You know, uh, there's, you know, we just don't outweigh Cook County. But I was telling you, call screener, you know, being a retired prison guard, uh, the eight guys that retired with me at age 56 are dead already. You know, so it's, it's, it's not the funnest thing to do no in question. Illinois. No but, question. I mean, we were set up as a straw dog a long time ago because the politicians stopped putting in their portion into our retirement fund. The only reason why we have a retirement fund is because it's all employee funded and the great stock market rise. And, and Governor uh, Thompson, you got to go back as far as Thompson to be the last governor we had. All the rest of them have either been rhinos or Democrats or switch me. Well, Greg, what's the solution in Illinois? You have like a $140 billion deficit. What do you do when you can't afford? And I agree with being a prison guard or bringing a cop or a firefighter, heck, bring, bring, being a garbage collector. I have great respect for garbage collectors. Men, guys get up at 3.30 in the morning and haul garbage cans. Great respect for those public servants. But what do you do when you're upside down north of $100 billion? Yeah, I'm not saying that it's it's a great place to be in, but it is because the politicians decided to use the money somewhere else. Yeah. And the employees, see, we were forced into that fund bill. No, you know, they forced us into it, so... We're living off of our own contributions. The state, the politicians, haven't funded that thing since 1990, and they don't have any intentions. It's those corrupt-ass Illinois politicians. But we're fighting them. You know, we continue to fight them, but 
You know, I just and, uh, and the other thing you is know. you're not in Social Security. In fact, you know, my wife, who's the senior judge in the First District Court of Appeals, is a state employee, and she has no option. She must be in the public system. She cannot. She can't get any Social Security benefits because she didn't pay into the system, right? Yeah. You know, like I said, we're, we're being used as a straw dog here. But just so you know, there's a whole lot of good conservatives in Illinois. Absolutely. We ain't fleeing the state. We're going to fight it out till we get on our back. Well, people like you, Greg, need to move south. But when you move south, keep your political philosophy. Don't be like locusts. Mark Levin uses the analogy of locusts as to clean out a field, then move to the next field. North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama are sucking the Northeast, but they're coming with their democratic philosophies. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. Merry Christmas. One more big hour remains. Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. God bless. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. I enjoy this so much. I may seek to have one or two more hours tonight, if possible. And uh, Mark Levin will be back with you on Wednesday, January the 3rd, his TV show on on Fox, uh, debuts in uh, the end of February or so. I'll be watching that every weekend. I'm going to love that. I can't get enough of Mark Levin. He truly is the great one. Let's uh, continue. One last thought is that there has been a concerted effort by the modern Democrat Party to substitute the voters they have lost in the middle class with a different category and group of voters that can be loyal and allegiant to their political philosophy. Never in American history has a political party for God ignored the requirements of the nation in exchange for political power. The Democratic Party, and we saw it in 2016 especially, the middle class, black, brown, yellow, red, and white, are leaving the Democrat Party in droves because they do not represent their interest anymore. So to substitute those tens of millions of somewhat loyal Democratic voters, the Democratic Party's made the decision to substitute instead of the middle-class Americans, with large numbers of Hispanic voters by pandering and exploiting their fears and concerns. I'm watching it happening. It's going to happen in Florida. When you have 250,000 Puerto Ricans, 90% of whom are Democrats, show up in the I-4 corridor or elsewhere in Florida, and they're met by Democratic Party activists with a canopy of government benefits, with outreach, providing Obama phones and cell phones and email addresses, contact points, to be used to march to the polls in 2018 and 2020, it is a frightening prospect. I love Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico loves me. I love New York City. New York City loves me. I care little or nothing for the political philosophy that underpins both situations. In New York City, as few as 10,000 New Yorkers pay about 90% of the bills in New York City. De Blasio and Cuomo are scared to death that those 10,000 may say, you know what, I can't take it anymore. The state and local taxes, property taxes they pay often are north of $100,000. And if large numbers of those 10,000 elite New Yorkers decide 
to move to North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, or Utah, or Nevada, or whatever. New York City would collapse, and they can't have that. In Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, never been there, but I, I'm sure it's a great place. They were dysfunctional and bankrupt large before, long before they had the hurricane strike and really devastate the alley even worse than what it was. But it wasn't any worse than what happened to Houston or what Irma did to Florida. The difference is, in Texas and Florida, terrible natural disasters struck a functioning government in which large numbers of individuals were prepared to act, and they did act. And uh, I, I'm familiar with uh, Governor Scott in, uh, in, uh, in, in, Tex- in uh, Florida especially. Scott does a great job in Florida. Quickly, he got to work on getting Florida right up the spine of Florida from Collier County through Jacksonville back up and running, and it was functioning. Houston went through a living hell for several weeks and months. They're now, thank you very much, functioning. Puerto Rico, because it struck a politically devastated area to begin with, despite having all these other advantages, Puerto Rico may not recover for months or if at all because it is totally dysfunctional. It should be a great functioning island as an American territory and protectorate, but they weren't functioning for the last 10 years because they adopted the political philosophy of Bernie Sanders, Comrade de Blasio, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi. We've seen it played out. Well, what kind of middle-class success is there in San Francisco or Los Angeles or Chicago or Atlanta? Middle-class success. Or New York City, Manhattan, middle-class success, making fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year and functioning quite well. Thank you. It does not exist. Chicago dominates Illinois, like New York City dominates the state of New York, much to their detriment. And they're being supported by an exceedingly few number of people. In Chicago, probably the number is closer to six or seven thousand Chicagoans pay ninety percent of the bills. New York City, ten thousand. New Yorkers pay 90% of the bills. It doesn't function anymore. There's no middle class. It's the oligarchs at the top and a large at the large number of New Yorkers, Chicagoans, those San Francisco, Los Angeles at the bottom. No, there aren't any single family homes being built for the middle class in any of these areas. They don't exist. The other part, the red part of, of America, you in Collier County in Florida along the I-4 corridor, Jacksonville, Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, southern Illinois. You can go out and find thousands of homes being built between two and three hundred thousand dollars with good schools and low crime and functional families. How do you find that in the areas controlled by the Democrat Party? It does not exist. And it's ever, never, ever will it, it, will it exist. That is the great story that the mainstream media refuses to cover because it doesn't fit the narrative, doesn't fit the diatribe. My friend Tucker Carlson uh, is doing a segment on uh, illegal migration into America from third world poverty nations. At least 20%, maybe as many as 30% of federal prisoners, 20 to 30% are illegal aliens, 20 to 30% serious criminals. In Los Angeles County, in Los Angeles City Schools, 40% of the students there, 40%, do not speak English at home. 40%. There's 87 languages spoken, all demanding ESL tutors, English second language, at a cost of millions and millions of dollars. 
in the city of Chicago school system, over 90% of the so-called students do not read at the grade level, whatever grade level they're at, third, fourth, fifth, eighth, freshman, senior in high school, don't read at the grade level. Same thing in New York City, dysfunctional, utterly dysfunctional. In the city of Baltimore, public school system, the, the system sucks. And normally the cost per student is ten to $15,000 per year per student. And complete meltdown. Listen to this one. There's an inner city school in the city of Cincinnati where every year 71% of the students are suspended or expelled every year. The teachers are under tremendous pressure to not suspend or expel anymore. So if you want to be a functional student and you're in a classroom completely out of control of the blackboard jungle, whatever urban district you're in, and you're a good kid from a good family, you can't learn anything, you can't function. And which political party, to the exclusion of all others, are in control of that school district? Whatever the urban area is, it's the Democratic Party. It's the Democratic Party completely. The worst place to live in America if you're black is in a congressional black district by any objective standard. Public education, crime, job creation, family formation, whatever it is you want to say, it's terrible. So do they spend their time trying to improve the circumstances of those Americans living in their district? Absolutely not. They want to spend their time investigating the Russian collusion delusion in order to cast aspersions and misdirect the attention of the media to the shiny, bright object on the right when those residents in Elijah Cummings and district in Baltimore are living a hell in Chicago, the south side of Chicago, a living hell, 4,000 shot. Moms and dads that can't go out at night. Grandmas that can't shop at a bakery. It's completely dysfunctional. And which political party is in charge of all these areas? It's the Democrat Party. This is not racial. For example, the number, the top two states in America for uh, lack of life expectancy because of the opioid epidemic are West Virginia and Ohio. Those communities, I know in Ohio, we got problems. We're going to lose tens of thousands of Ohioans this year, and West Virginia is going to lose a likely amount because of the opioid addiction. We got problems everywhere. But that's not a political problem. There's not an opioid user who's a Democrat or Republican. That's a medical issue. But there's a disease and a sickness in the modern Democrat Party that has destroyed every adherent to that philosophy and the failure is apparent for all who have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's apparent what's going on, but it will not be covered. The, the functional parts of our country, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Nevada, Utah, Idaho, North and South Dakota, Iowa. These are functioning states, Wyoming, functioning states because they have limited government, low taxes, less regulation, and a demand for performance in a public school system. Can you in New York City or Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Baltimore, Miami, can you actually claim that in urban areas dominated by the Democrat Party, any of those rules apply of civility? The answer is not just no. The answer is hell no. It doesn't function. It doesn't work. Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, we've tried their approaches in the major cities, which are like city-states in and of themselves, 
and they have failed miserably in every circumstance. And, and nationwide, whether it's Puerto Rico or Venezuela or Cuba, the socialism of Bernie Sanders has been tried to a miserable, miserable, miserable effect. But the media doesn't want to cover it because the media are leftists themselves. They keep dreaming for some communist manifesto will arise and that people living in those areas will suddenly become crime-free with good public schools, lots of jobs, lots of family formation. Doors are kept open at night. Neighbors are waving at each other. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It happens in small-town America all the time. It's the way we spend most of our life. I live in an area in Cincinnati where I seldom hear a siren. Leaving a door unlocked is no big deal. You can leave your car parked at night in the driveway. No one's going to break into it. There's no illegal drug use to my knowledge. The school system graduates 99% and 95% go on to college. Isn't that the way it should be? When I speak to a suburban class in northern Kentucky, Indiana, or Cincinnati, and I sit there in the front of the class and I speak to 15 or 20 kids, some of the classrooms pay attention. They listen. They have supple intellects. They ask good questions. They probe. I go speak to other districts, some white, some black, and the kids are dysfunctional. They're on their phones constantly. They're talking to each other. and They're not paying attention. I can tell right then these kids are going to make it, and those kids are not going to make it. How do we encourage as Americans the right kind of the American way of life? How do we do that? Except at times by political philosophy and by implementing ideas that have actually worked. Texas, Nevada, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, North and South Dakota, Montana are functioning states. They actually work. The city states that don't work are apparent. One's, one's red, one's blue. Will the media cover these things? It doesn't fit the bias. It doesn't fit the prejudice. Therefore, it is not covered. Let's continue. I'm sorry I'm babbling. Let's get back to the American people. We have Chris and Chuck and Jim and Bruce and Mark and thousands of others. I'm honored to pinch hit for Mark Levin tonight. I've told Richard Cement I'll do more of it. I'm, I'm on the air every Sunday night on a syndicated basis. I'm on Monday through Friday in Cincinnati. I love every minute. All I do is talk. All I do is talk. But I want to use these platforms to get out a message of hope and peace and harmony, especially during Christmas. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Wouldn't it be beautiful at the end of this deal if uh, the collusion within the Obama administration to elect Hillary Clinton becomes apparent? And that the head of the FBI at the time, James Comey, and uh, Rosenstein, and McCabe, and Peter Stroke, and Lisa Page all go to jail, along with Bruce Orr, because they obstructed justice in not indicting Hillary Clinton. And that they prevented or tried to prevent the election of Donald J. Trump and lost. But then the insurance policy arose, which was the Russian collusion delusion with the affidavit and the FISA court. That was a lie in order to get search warrants and eavesdropping on elements of the Trump campaign, which turned out to be a crime itself. Wouldn't it be great if the investigators become the investigated 
and that the bright light of truth has shined upon the cockroaches at the head of the FBI and the Department of Justice, that all of a sudden James Comey was convicted of obstructing justice in the Clinton investigation, that Andrew McCabe was indicted and convicted of obstructing justice in the uh, dossier matters in the FISA court because of the so-called backup plan, the insurance policy. Wouldn't it be great if Peter Stroke and Lisa Page spent time in Joliet Federal Prison because they obstructed justice both in not charging Hillary Clinton and in obstructing justice in trying to get Trump uh, indicted, convicted of uh, Russian collusion delusion that hasn't happened. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? I wish no one ill. I've been a federal law clerk. I've been a, a assistant attorney general, and I've practiced criminal law for 40 years. I understand how the game's played. And 99% of cops, DEA, FBI, DOJ, IRS, outside of Lois Lerner, are good men and good women that are doing what's right. But there was a political decision made by the Obama administration to elect Hillary Clinton and to provide an insurance policy against the election of Donald J. Trump. It's clear. That's what happened. And those involved in the conspiracy probably involve Loretta Lynch, Barack Hussein Obama, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr, his wife, et al. And it was known at the time, don't worry about it, Hillary's going to win. And if Hillary wins, we got the insurance policy against Hillary Clinton because she knows that we know where, where the bodies are buried. And so Comey and McCabe and Stroke all knew that since Hillary was going to win, they would have something over her head like J. Edgar Hoover had over the heads of Kennedy and Nixon and Johnson. Unbelievable. Wouldn't that be very interesting? Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American, sitting in for Mark Levin. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy new year. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. Let's continue with more. Let's go to Chris in uh, La Harpe, Illinois. Chris. Welcome to the Bill Cunningham, uh, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the great American. Chris, please go ahead. Yeah, boss. I've actually seen the influx of people coming from Chicago down to my area, Mm. which is West Central Illinois, and I live like 30 minutes from Iowa and Missouri, and I've seen the good, uh, good, to still just want to get away from everything up there, getting away from that area, and even moving over to Iowa. Sure. And, and I've also seen the bad. Matter of fact, the guy just got convicted of murder from Chicago over in Burlington. Sure. There in Iowa for killing a kid over yeah. shoes. Yeah. But honestly, well, let me ask you this, Chris. Is your part of Illinois functional? There's government that works, low crime, jobs created, or is the Illinois political climate so toxic other parts of Illinois can't overcome Chicago? It's really hard in our area because. The Quad Cities, which is a few hours north of us, has the I-80 and I-88 corridor, and that's where a lot of the money is. we got places like Caterpillar and even John Deere that are shutting places down constantly because they can't survive. Right. And I, but I haven't worked. I work as an EMT in Illinois and a National Guardsman in Illinois, but my full-time job with Corps of Engineers has been in Wisconsin and Missouri because they have a job. Illinois doesn't. And they pay a whole lot better. 
And when my taxes for Illinois have just skyrocketed, I'm glad the tax break happened because at least I use the federal money I'll get back in my taxes to pay off Illinois. And, and Chris, does anyone in your part of Illinois say, you know what, what I really want to do is move to the south side of Chicago. That's where I want to go. Absolutely not. <laughs> I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to the south side of Chicago where Obama is 20 years organized that community, did a great job on the south side. Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Rahm Emanuel. Man, I want to move to the south side of Chicago and move my, move my wife and three little kids into that school district. That's where I want to go. No, I've never heard that. Not, I've never heard that. Uh, uh, old army buddy of mine, he lives up around the south side. He's had trouble finding a job when we came back to Iraq in '04, but due to hard hat, here is the hard hats. He was able to find work in construction and everything and really enjoying it. He's trying to get the hell out of there as best as fast as he can. <laughs> he hates it up there, and everyone else I know. I have another friend, my buddy that lives up in Lyle and Naperville area. He doesn't like it up there. He wants to come back down towards where he grew up. is is a whole lot better. Yeah, we have our petty crimes and thefts sure. in our heads. But, but not, not a lot of gangbangers, not 4,000 people shot, not 700 murder, not, not skyrocketing taxes, dysfunctional families, craziness. You don't have that. No, of course, now that we have concealed carry, because, no thanks to Chicago, the one thing Illinois was able to pass, because if Chicago wants it, they get it. If the rest of the state wants it, Chicago throws a huge hissy fit. But, yeah, if that stuff started coming our way, um, most of us, Country boys have taken it in our own hands. The cops have looked the other way because they're right there with us, too. Yeah. And it's just been crazy like that. And I think Terry moving out of the state, I was looking to move to Wisconsin. It's a lot better up there, better for my family. And right now I'm looking to move to Iowa or Missouri just because it's a whole lot better across the river, unfortunately. What kind of job is Governor Bruce Rauner doing? Is he any good in, in Illinois? Rauner's doing the best he can. He's trying to make it a more economic-friendly, but Chicago. It's Chicago. I mean, it's like, okay, I would assume the legislature is completely Democratic. Is that correct? Or at least a part of it is, and you just can't uh, overcome that. I'd say the a good majority of the legislator, legislature is Democratic, and because Chicago has got so many people, most legislator is is from that four county area that everyone calls Chicago. It's can can you tell there. me if you live in Chicago and your taxes are through the roof, crime is rampant, the public school system stinks, there's little or no family formation occurring. What is it about the quality of life that one living in the south side of Chicago says, this is where I want to stay, I'm not moving from here, I like it here. Well, why do like 700,000 people live in the south side of Chicago when by every objective measurement it is completely in collapse? Why do Americans still live there? Well, they think they don't have a way out, but I remember Morgan Freeman doing an interview saying, hey, the bus leaves every day. Absolutely. If I was in that situation, and maybe in the good old days, Chris, when one didn't have access to social media or watching news or listening to talk radio, you didn't know what it was like on the other side of the fence, other side of the mountain. But if you can move to North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, 
and the climate is much better, the taxes are much lower, the public school system functions. I don't know why anybody, given a choice, would actually live in about the ten large urban areas in this country when everything is completely dysfunctional and bass backwards. I don't get it. Well, Chris, we've got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Jim in, I think, Arkansas. Jim in Arkansas, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Jim, please go ahead. Uh, hello, Bill. I've listened to your Sunday night show for years, but I never had a chance to talk to you. I wanted to ask you a, a, about your opinion of the uh, Deputy Attorney General oh. Rosenstein. Oh. Oh. He works for Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, by far, is the worst attorney general this side of John Mitchell. Jeff Sessions has been there long enough. He's been in Washington, I guess, 30 or 40 years to say, wait a minute. I have a completely dysfunctional Department of Injustice. I got Rod Rosenstein, who picks his friend, his friend, Bob Mueller, to be the uh, special counsel. And he's given a carte blanche to investigate the president. According to Rod Rosenstein, he monitors whatever Mueller does. According to Rosenstein, he monitors what's going on. We have in this country large gangs of MS-13 committing vicious crimes all over the nation. We have 50 state investigations of ISIS terrorists. We have hundreds of child trafficking rings that brutalize babies and young girls and young boys on a regular basis. We have thousands of unsolved bank robberies. In other words, the in other words, the FBI and the Department of Justice have lots of work to do. Would you agree? They have lots of work to do. Instead of doing the work of the FBI and the Department of Justice, and the FBI reports to Jeff Sessions, instead of doing that, you have dozens and dozens of agents spending thousands and thousands of hours tracking down Russian collusion delusion at the expense of time spent on human trafficking, on bank robberies, on international drug cartels. Well, we're wasting our time on a bunch of crap that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. If I'm Jeff Sessions, I clean house. I get rid of Andrew McCabe. I get rid of Rob Rosenstein. I get rid of Peter Stroke. I get rid of Lisa Page. I get rid, I get rid of that Orr character. I clean house and restore the FBI to its traditional function as the nation's preeminent law enforcement agency. You can't have the deputy director of the FBI talking about a bloodly, a bloodless conspiracy, the object of which is to take down the presidency of Donald J. Trump and obstruct justice by not criminally charging Hillary Clinton. The highest levels of the FBI are committing crimes. And right now, the guy in charge of stopping it is Jeff Sessions. And what kind of job is he doing? Well, he has recused himself. Right. And, right. Uh, what a blunder by Trump. You see, he never should have appointed someone from his campaign to be the attorney general. By doing so, you set up the scenario under which your attorney general has to recuse himself and appoint someone outside the administration, so to speak, to investigate itself. I mean, Obama, despite being a, a lousy office holder, but a great politician, Obama knew, I, I got my guy, I, I have Loretta Lynch, and I have my first attorney general is going to be there, and that guy's going to make sure uh, Holder's going to make sure that I'm not investigated for anything. L Lois Lerner committed crimes at the IRS, but uh, Holder and Lynch made sure there was not some outside investigator. They spiked 
all the criminal activities of the Obama administration. So how in the hell did Trump work himself into a position where he allowed the control of the criminal investigation of his administration be controlled by the Democrat Party? Democrats control the investigation against Donald J. Trump. Democratic lawyers, Democratic contributors. Democrats like Andrew Weissman, who went to the Victory Party, supposedly, which didn't happen, with Hillary Clinton, is investigating Trump. I guarantee Obama never would have let the Republicans investigate the criminality of the Obama administration. But Trump, because of Sessions, is allowing now Democrats to investigate the Trump administration for crimes. And those Democrats want Trump politically eliminated. How did Trump work himself in this position? So you would say that uh, Sessions is just as bad as Rosenstein. Oh, Sessions... I mean, Rod Rosenstein works for Jeffrey Sessions. Why doesn't Beauregard call in Rod Rosenstein and says, you're fired? And by the way, Andrew McCabe, you're fired. Peter Stroke, you're fired. He has the power and the duty to do it, but he can't do it politically because Anderson Cooper would go nuts. And so we need an attorney general like Eric Holder, Loretta Lynch, that had large coyotes that carried the water for the Obama administration. In fact, at one point, Eric Holder was held in contempt of court by the Congress, the first AG ever, because he would not criminally investigate. He would not go after the Obama administration. And Trump needed that same kind of loyalty of that person in order to demand that his invest the investigation be spiked. And we got important stuff going on in this country, Jim. We got human trafficking. We got ISIS problems. We, we got massive lawlessness on the southern border. We got bank robberies. There's stuff for the FBI to do. And the priority of things, this thing is irrelevant and immaterial. So, Jim, yes. I don't know why Rod Rosenstein is still there. Christopher Ray was appointed by Trump and confirmed by the Senate to head the FBI. Well, if I'm the director of the FBI and I find out that my chief deputy, my, my top number one guy underneath me, is holding meetings in the FBI's senior offices about insurance policies to impeach the incoming president, I fire that guy immediately. He's not doing the work of the FBI. Why hasn't Christopher Ray fired him? Why hasn't he acted? Okay, well, thank you very much, Bill. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jim. You're a great American. Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, which it never does, 877-381-3811. I get fired up about this. I have hopes. Think of the, go to the Washington Examiner website. They have 81 great accomplishments of the Trump administration and 11 Obama legacy items repealed. It has a long list. This guy's doing magnificently. I watch the mainstream media. They give me projectile vomiting and explosive diarrhea. I can't take it. There's no objectivity. It's all made up crap. Let's continue. 48 minutes after the hour. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Only four and a half minutes remain. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one. Mark Levin, let's continue with your calls. Thousands on hold. Millions are listening. Let's go to Stephen or Stefan in the Bronx. Stephen, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Stephen, please go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bill. I think one of the bright, shiny stars in the Trump administration has become is Nikki Haley. Oh, yes, yes. She's really, expo well, she's really shined the light of the visceral hatred this place has for the uh, for U.S. and uh, Israel. 
I mean, while they should, really should pack up their bags, pack up the processes, get just get the hell out of this country. But she's really exposed what are the the hatred they have for this country in Israel. And I love it. I hope she continues. You know, Stephen, uh, CNN had a lucid moment, quite rare, a couple hours ago, in which they pointed out that 83 percent of the uh, condemning resolutions in UN the past 10 years, 83 percent have been directed against Israel. Yeah. And it might be anti-Semitism, it might be jealousy, it might be the fact that uh, Israel is the only functioning democracy in the Middle East in which human rights are upheld, and that 30% of the citizens living there are Arab Muslims doing quite well. But but uh, Nikki Haley, if she became the Secretary of State, uh, if she became the President, heck, in five or ten years, she might be the President. Nikki Haley, I think, is a star in what she said this afternoon about taking names and Spending, I guess we spend about $30 billion in the U.N. one way or another, $30 billion. Of course, we have to borrow billions of dollars of that to give away to nations that hate us. It is despicable. When we have uh, won wars, uh, cured famine, uh, took care of the ill and dispossessed of refugees all around the world for not just decades but for almost a century, that every time we need a little bit of help, there's no one there uh, to help us but kicking us in the butt. Nikki Haley, the last few days, has been spectacular on the U.N., I love support for Israel. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. I love what Israel represents. And the fact that the rest of the world despises Israel says more about them than us. And I hope she kiss, and I hope she just keeps shining the light of truth about that place. It, it's not it. going to change. I mean, I, I, think, I think like nine nations supported us, 187 opposed. And all, all we said is in three or four years we, we want to put our embassy in the Jewish capital of Jerusalem, not Tel Aviv, that's no big deal. And it's amazing. Even CNN every now and then has a lucid moment. And they, 83% of the condemning resolutions have been against Israel, despite what's happening in Yemen, what's happening in Iraq and Iran, what's happening in Syria and North Korea, in which the North Korea is a large prison camp. The whole country is a prison camp, but they don't spend time on important stuff. They talk about Israel as if Israel is doing something wrong. And at some point, and you know, every now and then, Stephen, I say something bad's about to happen. How much longer will Israel put up with Iran marching through Iraq, through Syria, to surround Israel? Right now, Israel has a mortar dagger, a mortal a dagger aimed at its heart, and it's called Iran. Iran wants to destabilize Saudi Arabia and uh, Qatar and the UAE, but more specifically Israel. And that's why Saudi Arabia now has become friends with Israel. The Jews and the Saudi Arabians have gotten together to oppose the evil out of Iran. The great failure of the Iraqi war, Bush 43, was the fact with Saddam Hussein gone, Iraq is now a province of Iran. And they're using Iraq, other Shias, to march through Iraq to surround Israel. I don't know how much longer Israel is going to put up with it. But uh, I love the Jewish people. I love the state of Israel. Never been there. I want to get there before I die. I, I want to walk in the shoes of the fishermen in Israel. But uh, but uh, I love what Nikki Haley said, and uh, we got to run. But thank you very much. we got to run tonight. I tell you, the last three hours have flown by. I wish I could do more of this for Mark Levin, but I'm on the air six days a week anyway. But I love it when uh, when Richard Semena calls me, his producer, and asks me to pinch it for Mark Levin. I'll do it any night. May you and yours have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin.